was an innocent child. <laughs> I think, now, I think when I look back at my childhood, you know what is interesting is that everything I do now was what I wanted to do when I was a child. I always wanted to do things uh, with people. I always, I always needed to be around people. I didn't like just being by myself. But even if I was by myself, I liked doing art. Uh, I used to like taking things apart because I wanted to figure out how to put it back together without training or anything like that. I just wanted to uh, challenge myself to problem solve. But if there was no problem, then I had to create one. I remember he used to joke around about a lot of things. And one of my neighbors told me that they called him the clown because he didn't only do that with me and my family. He did that with his friends and, you know, neighbors. I, I just knew this is what I wanted to do. I just didn't know it was going to be for God. Everything I do today is what I always wanted to do. So it, it just it matched up. No, he didn't tell me he was going to be one. He's, the first thing I found out was he was a youth pastor. And I said, a youth pastor? I didn't know I had such thing as a youth pastor. I thought only pastor. And I was, wow, that's good. I'm happy. And then I saw some of his friends and I said, and they asked me about Sheldon, his close friends. And I said, well, I heard he's a youth pastor. And they were amazed. They go, what? Everybody was happy, happy for him. And they knew that he probably would go in the right way. But we didn't think a pastor. And then, as time went by, the next thing I knew, he's a pastor, senior pastor. I go, wow. We, our garage outside of our house was, a, I guess, a, like a, it's a two-port, I guess, a two-car port. Um, and of course, I'm not going to sit in the garage. That's not challenging. <laughs> so I have to figure out how am I going to climb on this thing. So I'd climb on the roof. And the thing I realized about that was, even though everyone around me, my neighbors, there was so much noise and arguments and fighting, I could watch. And this, I don't know if this is good or bad, probably childhood trauma. But I would watch people fight. And that was my so-called entertainment. And when I would watch them, I would think, I'm safe. They can't get to me. I'm safe up here. I'm okay. And then when I would lie down, no one else was doing this. Everybody's in their home. They're doing the same thing. Everybody's doing the same thing. I want to do something different. And it made me feel closer to a dream. Well, I never knew that. So now that I know, wait till I talk to him. <laughs> so I think, you know... When we were growing up... The only trouble he got into was when he met Cody at the school. Okay, so let me just tell you about the school. The, okay, it was... <laughs> okay, first of all, so I was with my cousin, and he used to live here on the Big Island. He still lives here. And he would come down, and we'd always do... He, he'd always say, what are we going to do tonight? Like, we would always want to do something adventurous. So that night, um, we went into the school, and then we were just hanging out, but then it started to rain. So we wanted to get warm. So we made a fire next to the school building door, which was wooden. 
That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, him and his cousin went to the court because they got arrested for playing fire. He likes to play with match and make fire and... <laughs> In, when I first came to church, you know, I, I could understand a little bit, but it was on Father's Day that when the pastor spoke about fathers, that, that gripped me because I didn't have, you know, my dad left when we were young, so I didn't have that, uh, my, my dad in my life. But when he said, if you want to be a good dad, you need God. And everything went through my mind. My dad left. I didn't have a dad. But now I have my son. And Jay, he's just the... Uh, when, when he was born, you know, I'm 15, so I don't, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to relate to a father-son kind of thing. It was more like, well, he's, he's, he can be my brother. So by the time he became four, he was like he's such a, a good friend to be with. He, he was the best to be around we did a lot of stuff together. We, we, we did things together. We would wrestle a lot and fight, you know, play fight. So when he said, if you want to be a good dad, you need God, that's who I thought of. I thought about Jay. And I thought about who is he going to become? What about, what about when he grows up? What is he going to be like? If I'm not there in his life, where does that leave him? So it made me realize that I, the, the, way to, the way to live a good life as a dad needs to be the way God wants me to because he's a perfect father in heaven. So Jay was very instrumental in me choosing a better life, coming to know the Lord. And I, and I don't know, I think at that time, if it wasn't for Jay, I don't know if I would have received the Lord because he was the draw to bring me here to the Bay Island and he was the connection of me receiving the Lord. So that's why even now, I'm so proud of him and what he does. You know, he, the the things that he does, not just for uh, his family, but the community, you know, he does all these different events. And then when I watch him figure, figure out how to problem solve and how to do things in the best way that he knows how, um, I'm thankful that I have him as my son. Like there, there's, no, there's no greater joy than to watch him become who he is and you know how they say time flies by it didn't with him because I could enjoy every moment with him you know I, I didn't I didn't want to take any time for granted I, I wanted to make sure that I was with him but he he allowed me to dream he still inspires me you know he still allows me when I watch him and, and I see what he does he's one of my biggest inspirations both him and Jordan and even in what Jordan does but I think Choosing a better life has to do with, it cannot be about you. It has to be about what God is doing in and through you, but affecting other people. So that, that's how I see it. Sheldon, you're still pretty much the same. You're still funny and I'm proud of you and I still can't believe you're a pastor. And a lot of his friends, they can't believe it whenever I tell them what he is. But then that's why I'm glad he's a pastor now. Otherwise, this whole place might have burned down. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, give him a hand. Yeah, we're so thankful for our pastor and allowing us to hear his story and the mom and the testimony about how he chose a better life for himself. 
And I like what he said when he was lying on his roof, this guy, that uh, he could see everybody, but he just didn't want to be the same. He just didn't want to live as everybody did. Um, he wanted to make a difference. He wanted a different life. So he, he took the initiative. And when he was doing that, taking the initiative to make a choice, it, it brought him closer to his dream of, of being a part of people's lives. And then he said that his son, Jay Ann, um, his, uh, uh, became the inspiration for him to make a choice. And as a young dad, man, that's tough. It's tough to make a choice, you know, to... to, to, to um, live a, a righteous life, but his son's was his reward, um, was his inspiration. And then I like what he said, that if we're choosing a better life, it, it's not about us. It's about what God is doing in our lives. And it's about the effect that it takes in our community because of what, is, what God is doing and your choice of choosing a better life. This morning, we're going to be speaking about choosing a better life, and we're, we're going to look at three principles of how we can make better decisions for a better life. But before we do that, again, I just wanted to thank the, the veterans. Thank you so much for all that you sacrificed and the time that you put in for just protecting our, our freedom and, 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 and the rights that we have as the United States. So thank you again. I know Veterans Day is on Tuesday, but we want to just take this time to honor you folks. Um, this Sunday. So thank you so much for our freedom. Yeah, give them a hand. They deserve it. Did you know that the freedom of choice is a gift? Did you know that? It's our God-given gift. And God gave us, mankind, the freedom to make free will choices for our lives. Why? Because, because he's a good God. He's, he's not a tyrant. He, he's not a dictator who wants to be in total control of our lives. That's not in his character. He's a God of love, and he's a God of, of grace and mercy, and he cares. And all he wants is the opportunity to be a part of our lives. He wants to guide us towards a better life. That's him. Why? So that we can live a life of righteousness without any regrets when we're done. God gave us the freedom to choose, and it started way back when in the Garden of Eden. So would you open your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. And we'll be in uh, chapter, one, uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 15. Chapter 1, uh, chapter 2. <laughs> Where's Pastor Marsha? <laughs> it's contagious. Chapter 2, verse 15. And I want to encourage you guys to bring your Bibles or whatever you use as a Bible, your iPads, your iPhones, your Androids, whatever you use for Bible reading, bring it to service. Because what it does, it's, it's, it keeps us accountable that you could examine the Word and keep us as pastors accountable to you. So that's actually scriptural that you, you, you guys uh, check the Word out. But more important is to acquaint ourselves with the Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, I want to say this to you this morning, and you're looking for one, they're on sale this morning in our bookstore. Uh, it's found in our fellowship hall. So if you're looking for a Bible, uh, go check out the deals today. And just tell them that I sent you. You know, drop my name. You're probably not going to get anything, but just tell them I sent you. 
So today you may take out your, your outlines from your bulletins and be sure you check out our bulletins because there's so much going on in this church. So check out what's happening here at New Hope. Also this morning, I want to just say this. Under His Wings Ministry is, is serving breakfast and, and they do such a good job out in our community reaching the, those who are easily forgotten, our houseless and homeless people. And they do a lot. So this morning, as you go and visit them for breakfast, don't uh, just think to yourselves. If, if you got the means, you know, just don't buy a breakfast. Help them. Donate something to them because they're doing a fantastic job out in our community. And then for your information, I just wanted to let you guys know again that we are receiving communion next week, all three services. So just prepare your hearts for communion next week. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 15. And it reads, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now God creates mankind and he places the man, Adam, in the garden of Eden to take care of it, to to, to, to I don't know, motographs or something. And God gives Adam instructions, and that command comes with an open-end choice. He says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here we see God's extension of his heart of mercy and grace, giving us the, the free will, the option to make choices for ourselves. He says, you are free, the key word, free, to eat from any tree. Of all of the 10 millions of trees that I've planted in the garden, you may enjoy the fruits. Go for it. Have your buffet. Eat all you want because I've set up a great life for you in the garden. But, and this is where our freedom comes in, but... Of this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not partake lest you die. So the tree of good and evil becomes the temptation for man. The test of all tests is for all of mankind's future. And out of all the fruits, out of the millions and millions of fruits in the garden, which Adam and Eve saw, somehow there was something special about this particular fruit. Every fruit, the Bible says, every fruit was good for eating. But this one fruit must have been extraordinary. The word says that when Eve saw it, it was pleasing to her eyes. How many of you ever seen a, a hating mango ripening on a tree? How many of you ever seen a hating mango ripening on a tree? Okay, good. Here's what I want you to get. Now you guys hungry. Um, I want you guys to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Everyone, close your eyes. And I want you guys to imagine with me. All eyes closed, just imagine. Okay? I'll give you the scenario. You're in a mango orchard. And there's thousands and thousands of mango trees with mango on them. They're short trees. They're not, they're not tall trees, so pickings are easy. There's mango all over the place. And you're walking in the orchard in the cool of the day. You stop 
And you see across the way this amazing, unusual, scrumptious, but forbidden mango. Its color is of golden yellow with speckles of glistening reds and oranges and green spots. It weighs about 10 pounds. It's the biggest you've ever seen. It's at your arms reach and you reach out for it. It's in your hands. You bring it close to your nose to, to take in the aroma of this succulent fruit. Ah, smells so good. You take another whiff of it. Ah, you're now imagining how juicy and how sweet this fruit must be. You can't resist it anymore. You prepare yourself to take a bite of this luscious fruit. The fruit is right there. You can almost taste it. You open your mouth and you're ready to open your eyes. You can open your eyes now. You've been tempted enough. What do you do? What do you do? That's the temptation that Adam and Eve experienced. What a test and a choice to make. The fruit was the temptation set before them by God. And taking a bite of the fruit allowed Adam and Eve to experience the knowledge of good and evil. They now knew who they were, disobedient children, and what they've done, committing a sin. Or maybe, just maybe from another perspective. Okay, we're going to look at this from another perspective. Maybe the tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not so man could know good and evil. But so God could see the results of the test that he presented. That if we would be obedient or not to reveal the knowledge of good and evil in our hearts. And the results was revealed and it came through the freedom of choice. The freedom to obey or not. To choose for ourselves. God gave us the freedom to choose, and it's our responsibility to make better choices for our lives today. We can't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We have a responsibility to choose and change, to turn from our ways to God's ways. And that's your first principle for today. Number one, choosing a better life is our responsibility. Choosing a better life is our responsibility. Choosing life and making key decisions for our lives is our responsibility. For real. My mom can make the decisions for me. Nope. Oh, what about my dad? I think my dad could make those decisions. He's a smart man. Can he make those decisions for me? Nope. I know what. Maybe my bestest, bestest friends, because I tell them everything, they can make the decision for me, can they? No, they can't. Listen, these people will have influential influences on your decision-making. But ultimately, if you want to choose a better life, only you can make the final decision. Adam and Eve had to make the final decision whether they were going to take a bite from this fruit or not. The decision was theirs. 
Did they have influential influences on their decision-making? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's take a look. The enemy, Satan, comes as a serpent, influencing them with the first lie ever told. And God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in that day you shall surely die. What's the influence? Satan challenges God's word, his command, dampening Adam and Eve's faith to believe their creator. Satan speaks to Eve and says, did God really say you shall surely die? You see, the devil challenges the very essence of God's word, God's command, his rules and his instructions for our lives, and he will challenge that in our lives. Not only does he challenge God's word, he challenges our identity as his children. He says this in verse 4 and 5 of Genesis 3. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Just a reminder, wasn't that his biggest mistake? Pride to be like God? We will have influences in almost every decision we make in life. There will be influential options whether good ones or bad ones. And if we don't know the truth of God's word, his instructions, his commands, or who we are as his children, we will be influenced in our decisions. Take this morning, for instance, and this question is for the women. Okay, women? Um, Here's my question. Whether it was last night or, or this morning, and the question is, How many outfits did you guys try on before making a final decision of what you were going to use to come to church? How long did it take you? How many outfits did you try? You know, know, what what pants you're going to use, what skirt, what blouse, what color, what shoes, which purse? How long did it take to make a decision? Five minutes. Five minutes. For some of you, maybe you guys thought you were just like Holly Berry, maybe Beyonce, or maybe Kim Kardashian. You know, these are influences on us. But if we know who we are and what style of clothing that we enjoy, we wouldn't be so influenced, would we? You don't have to ask, does this dress match me? Does this color look good on me? We don't have to ask that because we know what fits us without outside influences. You can make a sound decision quickly. It should be that easy. You know, for us men, it's simple. You know, it doesn't matter what color of underwear we use. The influence is if, we, if we're going to wear it or not. That's the influence. Come on, you guys. Somebody talk to me. Hey, guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, if the color is pink, we're not using that. I'm just going without. You know? But I'm sure you guys have your Sunday's best on today. You know, the one with your favorite team, football. Or maybe you get the one with the Superman emblem. Because making decisions is our responsibility. There was a time when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. 
And they were getting ready to enter into the, the promised land that God had for them. And Moses, who was called by God as a leader, stood up and called all Israel before him. Every leader, every priest, every man, every woman, every child. And he called them before him for, for, for a big meeting. And what Moses was doing is he was to proclaim what the blessings would look like if they would enter the promised land. But he was also to proclaim the curse that would be upon their lives if they just resumed their, their former lives back in Egypt. He led them for 40 years as a leader. And now he's about to release them into the promised land, which he could not go in. And what he was saying is, I'm going to give you guys your own responsibilities. You have to make a choice for yourselves. This morning, here's what Moses said. And I want you guys to hear this word for yourselves. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 to 20. Here's what he said. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you'd have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth. Somebody say, in your mouth. And in your heart. Somebody say, in your heart. That we may obey it. See, I have set before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your hearts turn away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And this part is in your handouts. And this is what Moses said. This day I call the heavens and the earth as a witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord, your, the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here's what Moses was saying. It is in us. It is in you, in your mouth, in your heart. God's word and his commandments have been set in place. And it's our responsibility to learn it. It's our responsibility to teach it and obey it. It's up to you to make a choice to increase the process of the sanctification for your lives and to choose to, to cleanse yourselves of your past sins and, and strive towards a better life. It's up to you to make a decision to turn from your sinful life to a good life. 
it's up to us to teach our keiki, our children, his word for their future. We have our responsibility. And God's saying to Moses, I have set you up today. On one hand, you have life. Choose it. But on the other, you have death. Therefore, choose life. God is your life. We have a choice to be a part of God's plan for our lives or not. And if you choose to, to follow his words, then I'm going to say this, then you best get ready for the time of your lives. Because I know that your life will be changed drastically for the good. It's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He'll start to produce extraordinary fruit, spiritual fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. He'll start to produce that spiritual fruits which you won't be able to contain within yourselves because it's not your plans anymore. It's God's plan for your life. You've now decided to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to produce these fruits, the fruits that will live within you. And what God is about to produce in your life will look so incredible. That's what Pastor Sheldon's mom was saying, that they don't believe what's happening in Pastor Sheldon's life. It will look so incredible to your family and to your friends. You have to share it with them. People will recognize the changes in your lives, and it's because you took the responsibility. And God urges us to make good deliberate, serious choices to fulfill his purpose in our lives. And it should come, come with a sense of commitment, placing our trust in him and doing our part to make moral decisions by obeying his word. While I was in prison, prison <clears throat> thoughts went through my mind of the choices that I made in my past. And most of it was guilt on me. And as I look back, I, I told myself, there has to be a better life than the one I was living at that time. So I had to make a conscious decision. And I had to be committed. It was something that I had to do already. And once I made up my mind to do something, I, I, I commit myself to it. So I told God. I, I, I didn't ask him. I challenged God, and I told him, if you're real, then show me. Show me that you're real. And I challenged him. Until this very day, he's been showing me who he is. To this very day. And I want to tell you guys this. If you're committed to making a change in your life, if you are going to challenge God the way that I did, just make sure that you're committed and obligated to play the whole game, the entire game. Because God doesn't quit. He plays for all eternity. He doesn't quit. And if you're committed to him, he'll be committed to you. And he'll make changes in your lives, not just for the temporal times, but for all eternity. Because as we commit to him, he will be committed to you. Amen? Make sure your conscious decision comes with a committed heart to trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. 
Trust the Lord with your decision, and he will guide you into the path of all righteousness, it says. That's your second principle for, for this morning. Number two, trust God and accept his changes. Trust God and accept his changes. When you decide to make a decision to follow God's purpose and his ways, it's not easy. And I'm being truthful with you. There will be challenges. And one of them is trusting. You need to commit yourself to trust God who you cannot see. That's why it's called faith. And today, if you choose a better life with God, you have to believe that he's real. You have to believe that his word is truth. And you have to believe that he exists. In most of our circumstances that occur in life happens because of our choices, whether they're good or bad choices. But it's to these circumstances that God does his greatest work in us. For me, it was in prison. That's where God got my attention. And again, that's where I, I, I challenged him. But that's where I also cried out to him. That's where I began to believe that God is real and that he does exist. It's where I met God in my lowest of lows, in my weakest point of my life. That's where he revealed himself to me. And one day, well, one night while I was in prison, he took me to the book of, of Hebrews. And Hebrews, the book of Hebrews spoke to me about trusting God and then putting my faith back in myself. And he showed up that night. And my life has not been the same since. Listen, we all want a better life. We all do. And some of you may be going through the struggles that I did. And for some, it's not so drastic. And you have a good life. You do. But you're searching for a better life with Christ. In either situation, we have to believe in God. And believe that there's a life for you that he predestined. Hebrews 11.6 is one of the scriptures that God used for me while I was in prison. And it reads this way. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I had to make a conscious decision, believing God is real and that he exists. And believe he set up a good life for me with all my faults and everything. I have to believe that. But with that choice came the challenges and the changes. And for many of us, we have difficulties accepting changes. We don't like changes in our lives. If you want a better lives for yourself, then this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where discipline and submission comes in. This is where commitment, trusting, and believing in God and yourself comes in and it becomes a reality in making a choice for a better life we have to be willing to accept and to submit to God's answers and many of times his will will not fit your will or your plans but we got to be good with that we got to be good with that listen why would God reveal his plans for your life if he already knows that we're going to be disobedient why would he do that? It's important for us to trust your decision, trust our decisions that we make, and accept the, ch accept the changes. 
when you're committed to him, be confident. Be confident that he knows the plans that he has for you for a better life. That takes dedication and perseverance. Remember, we didn't just get into this lifestyle overnight. We worked very hard at this lifestyle. It didn't just happen. We created this lifestyle that we live. So remember that our decision for a better life will require time. It's a process that will go through with changes and we'll probably have to resubmit our will to God over and over and over again through this process. And if you're like me, hothead, boy, we'll continue to do it over and over until we get it right with him. You know, I discipline my grandchildren all the time, and I ask them, clean your room, clean your room, clean the room. And they'll get up, you know, and, and they'll pick up a shirt, and they'll dilly-dally and fold their blanket and stuff. It's a process to get them to clean their room, spick and span, you know. But I got to keep on them over and over. I have to go through the grumbling and the nagging and the pouting, even the words that they speak under their breath to me. I got to go through that. You know, well, it's the same with us. When, we, when God disciplines us, we'll go through a, a process and we'll nag and we'll fuss. And we might even throw a tantrum or two. But with strict discipline comes wonderful results. For me, it was a clean room. For us today, it may be a better life. Hebrews 12, 11 reads this way. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, trusting God in His Word and accepting changes is the beginning to a better life. If we don't believe we can change, then we'll continue to live our routine lives living it over and over again with the same results, that's crazy. In fact, that's insanity. And we don't want insane lives, do we? Trust God and accept the changes and you'll begin to live a spirit-filled life, filled with joy for Him. And then by choice, you, you want to follow Him and become a light for Him. And that's your final principle for today. Number three, choose to be a light for Jesus. Choose to be a light for Jesus. When God became a part of my life, I had difficulties accepting the changes that he was doing. And I slowly came around to accepting it. And it started to build faith within me. And the more I accepted the choices, the changes, the more I grew. And I wanted to just do, do everything for Christ. I wanted to learn more about him. And I wanted to just go to every Bible study and everything. It was a disciplined time for me. And it took me three and a half years of strict discipline to gain back the trust of my family. My wife it took me three and a half years of strict 
discipline. And in the beginning, you know, the focus is all on us. Lord, help me. Lord, fix me. Do this for me. But then something happens in our heart when we, when we, when we make a decision and commit to it and accept the changes. Something happens that our heart no longer is about me anymore. And that's what Pastor Sheldon was sharing. It's no longer about you. The heart starts pointing out, and it starts to become, man, how can I tell that person? How can I tell that person? How can I help my family? How can I help my coworker? It starts to point out again. And that's becoming a light for Jesus Christ. And I've returned since, since prison, and I've returned back because that's where my heart is. And I've returned, and I've been a pastor for, for the prison ministry for over 15 years now because that's my compassion towards these people for the loss. Since then, I've been a huge influence on the lives of my family, my friends, and others, leading them to Jesus Christ. When you make a conscious decision for a better life through obedience to follow him, then he'll teach us to be a disciple for him. He'll turn us from our ways to his ways and become a light for the world. Ephesians 5, 8 and 9 states it this way. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Changes help us to create a better life. Discipline maintains the lifestyle. And there's no better way to connect with Jesus but through his word. So I would say get into your devotions. Get into a care group. Connect with people who are around you that, would, that is willing to be accountable for you. It's not easy maintaining a Christian life. It's not. But God has placed people in your lives. Just look around. They're there. The greatest maintenance we could do is stay focused on Jesus and he, because he's your teacher. He will be your comforter, your healer, and he'll be your life changer. I've learned so much from him, and the greatest reward after choosing him as my Lord and Savior was making a choice to serve him. I never thought that he'd allow me to be a witness for him or let's be a pastor. There's no greater joy besides receiving him as Lord but then to serve him as master. It's a joy. To watch your daughter and your wife, and your son, your friends, your, your co-workers, to come to know the Lord. That feeling is just overwhelming that you can't express it. It's so rewarding. And choosing a better life with Jesus is choosing to be a part of that body of Christ, that God will make changes in your life so that you cannot hide it from others. You won't be able to. They'll notice the changes in your lives. And that's what his friends was noticing in Pastor Sheldon. Then they'll ask the question of how did you do that? How did you change your life? And that becomes an opportunity for us to share our testimony and become the light for him into this world. Matthew five fourteen says, You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We cannot ask for a better life and not share it with others. You will not be able to contain it within yourselves. But isn't that the reason that 
would ask for a better life so that we'd be an example and, and share that life with the world? We need to do that. We need to share the goodness of the Lord. We need to share what He's doing in our lives, in the lives of your family and friends. Because I'll say this, how else will they know? How would they hear Him if we don't share Him? How would they begin to find the life that God has planned for them? this great life if no one tells them? How would they find it if no one told them that it's available for them? A great life, a better life includes challenges. And the challenge for us is to share our lives, to share our story, to share our testimony of what Jesus did for us. Share it with your family. Share it with your community. Share it with our state and our world. And we get to do that through relationships. One relationship at a time. Because if we don't tell them, then who will? Who will? Romans 10, 14 and 15 reads, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Can I say this to you? You guys all have beautiful feet. You do. And we get to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It was the Apostle Paul who committed himself to following Judaism. And he went out and persecuted the church of old. And then one day, literally, he got knocked off his high horse and met God on the road to Damascus. He was blinded for three days. And it was then that he realized that Jesus is a real person. And the Bible says that he did not get his revelations or teachings from man. He didn't go to man. And for three years, he spoke to God, and God changed his life. And after three years, he came to the apostles to learn about their calling. And it was his, in his acceptance of changes and his submission and taking the responsibility to make a change in his life that Paul became the greatest evangelist of his time. He became a light that shined for Jesus till this day as we read his, his letters. Listen to the description of his life, his description after his conversion. This is what he says. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you've made that choice to follow Jesus, you're choosing to be a part of the city, a part of the body of Christ that is set up on the hill. He's done or is about to do great work in you 
because of his great love and his compassion, but he'll do it through the freedom of your choice. I would say, let's be that light on the hill. Let's shine for him, for all to see. And if you heard Pastor Sheldon's heart last week, his heart is to reach the lost. Even if it has to be done one relationship at a time, we are here to reach the lost ones so they too can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those who share the gospel and bring a message of hope to people. You are the part of the body of Jesus Christ. You're a life that has been changed, a life that has been delivered, and you're now empowered by the Holy Spirit, commissioned to God into the world to preach the good news because you took the responsibility to make a conscious decision for a better life through Jesus Christ. I'd say this morning, that's what a better life looks like. If you agree with me, would you say amen? Amen. You may close your Bibles and bow your hearts in prayer this morning with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great love and your generosity of allowing us to have that freedom to choose. Choose a life that's great with you. We also thank you for giving us the greatest example that ever lived here on the earth through your son, which showed us love and submission to your will, even to the cross where he laid down his life so that we may have that great life that you already predestined for us. Thank you for doing that and thank you for loving us. This morning, there may be some of you here who's never made a choice to allow Jesus Christ to be a part of your life. And maybe that's you this morning. I just want to pray. Pray a blessing over you. And the Bible says, ask. It's just opening up your hearts. Ask and he, it will be given unto you. Maybe today is your day to make a choice to choose a better life. And if you want that, you would just open your hearts and say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I make a conscious decision to follow you today, to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died and rose on the third day and now interceding for me before the Father. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed.